I'm Shay Lingo, a rapper and musician, and I've seen 930 of the 981 episodes of One Piece. And I'm Beck Hill, a comedian, writer and artist, and I own a One Piece. <laughs> Becky, you're talking about a One Piece swimming costume? Yeah, what were you talking about? A lot, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you started watching One Piece when you were quite young, didn't you? I, I didn't even start watching One Piece via anime platforms. I think it was the westernized dubbed versions of the animes that I was watching on like the Cartoon Networks and, and etc. So I got into One Piece via Cartoon Network, I think back when I was, I don't even know when it reached there, but in, in the 90s. And yeah, I, I just kind of grew into the idea of discovering that it was anime. Because at first it was just... Respectfully, it was just a cartoon to me. Do you know what I mean? Because it was dubbed in English. So that, that's how I kind of grew into understanding there was episodes and they, it was going to be a long journey that I didn't yeah. realise I was I was embarking on, which I was I would never have done anything. Do you still watch that. it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely into my adult. Like I've watched anime from childhood actively into my adulthood. Do you still watch the same stuff you watched when you were a kid or did you find that your taste changed? I think I just incorporated more. So I still watch the same stuff, but... There was just more to watch because I, I had, as a kid, you you feel like you have all the freedom in the world. As an adult, you don't feel like you have an, as much freedom, so you're a bit more concise about what you watch. But you endeavor to watch things that are, I guess, closer to your taste. But I always loved the same stuff as when I was a kid. But I just make sure that I, I'm just better at navigating through the things I haven't seen. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. if I'm not watching something that I remember from being a child, I'm better at picking the newer stuff to watch that might be a little bit more quote-unquote adult do you know what I mean yeah because when I was a kid I remember I watched Ghost in the Shell like really young because I'd grown up watching Ghibli and Sailor Moon and all those sorts of shows that Ghibli is while there's some adult stuff in some of their films I would say that they're a bit more rounded you know like a Ghibli film you can watch as a kid and then each time you'll see something that like another layer that's that's there for older people to understand and more and more and more. Whereas with Ghost of the Show, obviously very much aimed at an adult, like an adult's. But I didn't know that. I was a kid. I was like, oh, it's another anime. It's yeah. going to be just like Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was oh, like, were you wrong, absolutely scarred. Like I was like, this <laughs> is too, I, I, what? So how do you feel now that you're an adult watching or thinking about or re recollecting the same kind of animes and concepts and stuff? As an adult, I think there's still some things I find disturbing, mm -hmm. but I am in a much better position to process it mm -hmm. and understand that it's not necessarily a, a truth just because someone's, you know, putting something in there like that. And what I love about getting back into anime is that now that we've got things like Prime Video and stuff where you can watch it more easily, you can find all of these things that were actually created more for you because there is so much anime out there. Like there's now stuff that will speak to me more yeah. than the stuff that I maybe checked out when I was like Ghost in the Shell, where I was like, oh, this is fun. Oh no, what are they doing to her? What have I done? <laughs> where am I? We're getting into it now. So you can expect some spoilers. And if you want to avoid those, hit pause right now, head over to Prime Video UK and watch the film. Today, we're discussing the second film in the rebuild of Evangelion franchise, 2009's Evangelion 2.22, You Cannot Advance. <laughs> So let's just recap the ending. Shay, what happened? Where did we leave things? Yeah, so we left off in this really weird, ambiguous place where Kawaru Nagisa is standing on top of this weird coffin and has this ambition to meet Shinji. Yeah, on the moon. Yeah, just on the moon. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just in the middle of space. How are you even breathing out there? What is your story, sir? What is your story, you know sir? I mean? What are you about? 
<laughs> yeah, like I, that was quite the cliffhanger. Yeah, so Beck, what did you think about the second film? How do you feel about the second film? Did it go in the direction you were expecting it to go? How do you compare it to number one? So I was expecting, okay, this is where we get the backstory. This is where we find out everything we need to know about the angels. But in true Anno fashion. Yeah, yeah. Just It just it was like, okay, this is the point we would normally tell you and we're going to make it super weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very abstract. <laughs> and we love it. And we love it. Yeah, we love it. it was like a delight for the eyes, though. Definitely. I'll tell you that. Oh, mate, the, the, just a point on the colour. I just think the colour was, the, all the colours have been used in, especially red, has been used in such an amazing way. But we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, I've got a challenge yeah. for you, Beck. Okay. Uh, let's see if you know your Adams from your Liliths. What actually happened in the film? <laughs> okay, so we've got more angels yep. happening. We know that. Yep. They're, they're still coming. We didn't finish them off with the first film. No. No. We've got more Avas. Yep. And we now know that there's more countries and governments involved. It's not just there in Tokyo 3. Yep. We also get some new pilots. Yep. Which is interesting because there's Makinari who is very uh, mysterious. I couldn't really tell you anything about them except they wear glasses. Agree. You're doing well, though. Seem very confident. Yeah. <laughs> and we also get Asuka, yep. who is uh, a very headstrong, confident young woman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> and we also find out that Misato was present at the second impact. Yes. So she's got a little bit of PTSD yes. from that, yes. which I think she's dealing with incredibly well. I mean, beers every night. That's British culture, that beers British every culture. night. That is British culture. You haven't even had an impact. Well, I guess you had wars. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of the point. <laughs> oh man you have to we have to be able to laugh in this life you know <laughs> what else there's so much more that happens uh, i mean we don't really find out what the deal is with ray and shinji i got the impression from the first film that ray is shinji's sister but no nothing has confirmed that yet here's an interesting take oh yeah complete curveball mm. do you think ray is even human oh oh you think she's been like made I think I, I think that's a big part of the reason why she's in the position she's in. I feel like she's been manufactured to be in that position. Ooh, we don't we don't know yet, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like she might not actually be human. Let's see if I missed anything. Oh, and then all that crazy stuff happens at the end. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to put it. I think in a nutshell, mm. what we're saying is the second film raised far more questions than the first one did. Yeah. Should we yeah. Should, in the best possible way. Should we try to answer some of them? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So the second film is where we start to see more of a deviation from the original TV series on which the film was based, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, and in last week's episode, we touched on the fact that the director wanted to colour outside of the lines a bit and do something different with the franchise. How did the general Eva fans of the series take this? Some of the fans felt a bit cheated because obviously you're condensing several episodes into a sub-two-hour running time, but the general consensus is that Anno made the right decision to branch out and do something new, like, rather than just giving the fans a straight-up remake. Yeah, no, I get that. That makes sense. So in last week's episode, we spoke to uh, David Leavesley from GQ. Beautiful guy. He was brilliant, fantastic. And he raised the fact that Arno had 
made these films very much about his personal journey with depression. Yeah. Which, and I remember you were saying how as soon as you found that out, it really changed your interpretation of the films. Yeah, definitely. I think it changed the core idea for me. Do you know what I mean? At first it was like, I was almost comparing it to stuff that I'd already seen in terms of how just the general story was playing out. I didn't look at it from the perspective of it, of it kind of personifying Anno in himself. Do you know what I mean? So when when I found out he was being quoting, he was being quoted and and being very vocal about this is actually my life, this is my entirety, and this is this is exactly what I wanted to reflect in in the films. It's like I've also I've also had suffered from mild depression in a, in a lot of different ways across my creative journey, and put that into the music, which which is why I say it was probably wrong of me to assume it that way because. I, I immediately resonated with that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I've left out parts of context just because maybe I'm not ready to unpack that bit yet. So I have to find an ambiguously creative, mystique kind of way to communicate that. Do you get me? And that turns out to be a lot more freeing than if I just if I did just directly say it or did just directly do it. Or maybe drilling drilling home the kind of repeat the repetition and the, the 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 tedium of the feelings of depression and where that can continuously take you that i i super super resonated with because every it just feels like one long day and you don't want to leave your house and you you just want things to stay dark and you don't actually even really want to face your your dad yeah. Do you get me? Like the world, Shinji's world is his dad. Do you know what I mean? It, his entire existence revolves around his dad's approval. And I think that is like very reflective of how, especially as an artist in, in the music industry and in such a fast paced version of the music industry as well, it, you can feel exploited by the world. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that, that you we believe as the viewer that, well, right now anyway, that Gendo Ikari, um, Shinji's dad, is exploiting Shinji. Do you know what I'm saying? Not showing him the love and and attention that he clearly craves from you. You're very conscious that he wants from you. You get me? That is him him want Shinji wanting that from his dad is us wanting that via things like social media. Do yeah, you get me? And, yeah. and 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 going completely out of your realm when something goes wrong or something happens or or whatever the case may be and you're 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 now doing things just for the attention. You're not even doing them because you you actually want to like build an actual real fan base of people and a culture and and create a situation that that revolves around genuine love and respect and support. You actually just get to a point where your your bar your beat to the point mentally that your bar is so low. I just want you to react to me in the way that I can expect a human to react to human in my in my understanding of existence. See now, listening to you take that. I now feel like I can understand it because before I think I was very much looking at when I heard that he was saying he read about his own depression, I very much took that as at face value. So for me, I felt like the story was a bit too, like it was not shoehorned, but a bit more forced. It was, it felt a bit more like to me initially, it felt like someone trying to represent depression who hadn't had depression because it was a lot of the protagonist being like, oh, why me? Mm, oh, my dad, mm, my dad. Mm. Like it started to feel a bit like a My Chemical Romance song, mm, you know, mm. it was yeah, people yeah, like, yeah. oh, my yeah. life's so tough. Uh, yeah, uh. Yeah. But it was just that constantly one night without anything else. And I found that really hard to communicate what depression's like because it just seemed to be this person saying that they're sad 
I mean, up. But yeah. now that you've said that, yeah. and also because the second film does d- dive a little bit deeper and oh, gives Shinji yeah. a bit more depth. Yeah, definitely. Um, now that you've said that, I suddenly start to see it more from the analogy perspective. Yeah. Because yeah. as you say, like if you think of Shinji as being someone who was a bit lost and then suddenly, you know, had, uh, let's say, someone that suddenly got a bit of fame Mm. online Mm. and then went, oh, my gosh, people want me. That's amazing. So they go for it. But because it's it's not a whole acceptance of them as a person, so when they go for it, then it's like dance monkey dance. Like that's all they want. They don't want to get to know you. Makes more sense to me now why we don't know more about Shinji yet because we will, I hope as time goes on, he doesn't know what they, what his dad wants out of him in the same way that people in that position don't know what other people want out of them. Um, And it's that uselessness. That that kind of perpetuates and creates that kind of stasis Mm. that you find yourself in. And I think Anno is using the lack of context rather than it being a point of like negligence or a point of like artistic convolution it's more like a no this is actually this the way the pace at which you're watching this is actually what depression feels like mm. not just shinji's it's story it's, it's exactly that it's like it is very tedious it is very monotonous it is and i'm not saying that that the movies are that i'm saying that the context that you that you keep being given is not the context that you want from it. That's it. In I'm a saying? nutshell, you've nailed it. Do you just get what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not what you want from it. It's it's what you're. It's just what life keeps keeps giving you, mm. and it draws you into it. You start to become frustrated. You start to feel morbid. You start to feel like I know what's going, and then you don't know what's going to happen. You start to see those conversations not play out, and then it's like I've had. I haven't had that I also haven't had that conversation with that person in my real life and I know what that feels like if you if you can take the time to kind of unpack it in that way and you that's why that quote and I got all of that just from that one quote that that I know said about this is this is definitely a reflection of my life and it's a reflection of the depression that I felt I'm paraphrasing but the reflection of the depression that I felt Shinji is is essentially me do you know what I mean would you say then that when Shinji or any of them whenever whenever they beat an angel and they take him down and sometimes there's a brief moment of, oh, we did it, but it's very short-lived. Super sometimes short-lived. they don't even get to enjoy it no. because of this, the circumstances surrounding it. Mm. You know, like how we had with Oscar, yeah. which we'll go into as well. Yeah. Is that a bit like when you are in a position where even you start to have those little wins in your real life and then, you, you, and then even when you have the win, you don't feel the joy? You nailed it. There were so many moments when... They only win by the absolute skin of their teeth and everything gets destroyed in the process. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and they, they, they're winning by such small margins. Mm-hmm. Then they shift the whole pace to fit Asuka's personality. She comes, she flies down from the sky. Well, she's she, hope, isn't she? she? She represents hope. Exactly. She jumps in the Ava and flies down from the sky. And before she, she kills, she kills the angel before she even hits the ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I just found that all right, fine. Like, that was my moment of like, I've got a love-hate relationship with her because I think she's very reckless and selfish. But finally, there's a yeah. competent character that can actually deal with these angels because everyone else is 
literally risking their lives. She's not even making it look like you have to risk your life to do that. I'm going to say this then. If she represents that hope that, oh my gosh, I can get it, this is where I am, then is that why Shinji fights so hard to save her even though he could lose himself? Definitely. And the depression takes over and kills it. I think Asuka, for Shinji, is that glimmer of hope in the distance. But she's got so many of her own problems that he can't see yet. Do you know what I'm saying? He can't really deep it. He just knows that what's behind us is probably quite similar, but we've just dealt with it in different ways. Do you know what I mean? Similar to um, Misato as well. She's also yeah. got a really checkered past. Like she's, she's got, she even says it. Like I've also got issues with my dad. Do you know what I mean? I've also got things that we're, we're actually living. She might be, she, I think she actually even says we are on a very similar path. Do you know what I mean? Different, different start points, but a similar path, just based on the fact that each character has their i think i think what i'm what i'm getting to and what i'm realizing as i'm saying it is every single character is dealing with a similar form of trauma or loss or lack thereof within their within their being in many different ways you get me and i think shinji being the main kind of center point for that is what it maybe most typically looks like which is why it's such a frustrating character to watch because he reflects so much of what is inside us that we don't want to address as people. Mm. I feel like Anno is, has been, and that's why when I heard that quote again, if I go back to that, is why when I heard that quote, I was like, I have to look at this in a completely different way because you've actually cracked me open. Yeah. You get me? You've, you've cracked my head open and you've, you've dug around in there and you've made me watch it in a way that I'm not even seeing it until, I saw that, until I've seen that and I've gone, Do you know what? I have to trying to take more accountability for the things and and I say and do in my life, I have to open myself up to the possibility that I might not like Shinji because he was like previous versions of myself. I have to be open to that. You get me? Yeah. Well, what I thought was really fascinating was, because obviously there's a ton of Christian imagery in this, mm, mm. which I, I know more about. I know that there's also uh, Jewish um, imagery and stuff like that, which I have less knowledge of. Mm. Although, obviously, uh, the Old Testament is shared by both religions. But what I found interesting was how it's about a son who is sent to save the world, mm. who doesn't get a choice in it. Wow. Who can't really talk to his dad. Wow. Which I don't think is what they were planning on doing. Like, I don't think that that's the intention of this. What if it was? I feel like it would be out there. How crazy is that if it was, though? But it was, that was the first thing that struck me. In fact, like right in the beginning of the first film. But I didn't want to say anything until I'd until I'd watched more of it because I was like, I don't want to say it's like this and then I completely am wrong, which I still might be. But, yeah, just it struck me a lot because I did, I looked up to see if that was the case. And I've been very careful with my research because we're watching these films as we do these episodes so that we can experience them with any listeners who are in the same position as us. Of course, of course. So I've been trying to avoid any spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did find a interview with uh, the assistant director, um, Kyuza Tsurumaki, who was at the um, Otakon 2001 anime convention. So obviously this was in regards to the TV show, not the films. But they did work on the films as well. 
And they said, there are a lot of giant robot shows in Japan and we did want our story to have a religious theme to help distinguish us. Because Christianity is an uncommon religion in Japan, we thought it would be mysterious. None of the staff who worked on Ever are Christians. There is no actual Christian meaning to the show. We just thought the visual symbols of Christianity look cool. If we had known the show would get distributed in the US and Europe, we might have rethought that choice. (laughs) Which I thought was like... Oh, okay. I mean, fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) But as humans, we like to see patterns and we like to make analogies. It's how we understand the world. So I don't think there's any harm in still drawing those analogies, even if they weren't intended. I have also seen hints to say that Arno did intend them, but it's just not necessarily been communicated through the whole department. So that makes sense. I mean, that means we we're on both sides of the fence. Then there, do you know what I mean? And it and it all it all falls under the bracket of just artistic expression and a respect of that artistic expression in its best possible light and intention. Yeah, interesting point. So I think the fact that Anno created these new characters and has taken the films in a different direction to what the show was doing shows that he's still evolving as a director and honing his craft. So so I'm excited to dig deeper into the life and legacy of this extraordinary artist. I would definitely, definitely say that Asuka's introduction and Mari's take are quite, to be fair, they're quite similar. They both love being inside Ava's. They both love destruction. They're both uh, very confident in their abilities to destroy Ava's. But I think I enjoy Mari a little bit more. I think it looks like less of a coping mechanism. Oh, I see. I think Mari's like proper sociopath. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely, but I believe she was always going to be that way. Like, I feel I feel like her character, there's always a character like that. That's just on chaos, but the lowest form of chaos. Like, I just want to destroy everything. I think I don't think that's the lowest form. I think that's the highest form of chaos. No, but I mean, like, you know, like, from, all right, let me, let me give you a different example. You know how Gendo wants to destroy everything, but for a cause. Yeah. Do you get me? Mm. Like, even if we don't agree with the cause or the mission right, statement, yeah. like that to me is like a quote unquote nobler form of destruction. Yeah. That's a higher form of chaos to me. Like gotcha. there's a reason for you that. You mean chaos. lowest, like, like it's lowest just like I just want to destroy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like I just want to I'm just on destruction in this form. Like Mari even says when she bumps into Shinji, she even says, like, you smell like LCO. And that's one of my favorite smells. Do you know what I mean? What is LCO? I think LCO is the fluid. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think LCO is the fluid, the red fluid that you get oh, immersed yes. into. But nobody I else. I thought would... it was a cologne, <laughs> which it should be. Yeah, would, yeah. You, I would, I if mean, I sold that Mario on forums, I would get a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Smell I think like you Shinji. Would. I didn't Mari's favorite scent. Come on. That's what it'd be called, Mari's favorite scent. Yeah, yeah. LCO by Mari. I mean, speaking of which, uh, th- these are kids, right? We know they're in kids. They're kids. They're in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a high school girl. I, I was never like that. I, I none, neither were my friends. Facts. I don't know anyone who was even the girls I knew who were like a lot more sexual than my friends and I were. Mm. They weren't that confident, yeah. you know, in the in the way that that Murray or indeed anyone like the it's it really blows my mind. And it's something I'm I'm not a hundred percent well, I'm not comfortable with at, at all. all. Yeah. It is strange though. I also don't even if I was to pretend, okay, maybe they're like, let's imagine this is like a one of those shows, American shows, where it's like 30-year-olds playing teenagers, you know, like Party of Five or whatever. Which, again, is extremely weird. Yeah, but if I do that in my head and I'm like, okay, these are all adults uh, who just happen to be in school or magically not as young as we think they are, 
I don't understand why they all like Shinji. I do. Is that because you identify as a Shinji? I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be. I think I've had a lot of moments in life where... I, and the he thing does is, cook. I get that part. It's a bit of therapy for me, I guess, right now. Going to the therapy hour with Shailingo and Beck Hill. Oh, he's taking he's lying down now. He's, lying down <laughs> he's not lying down. Tell me about your childhood. Stop setting me up. Um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely think I dislike characters like Shinji a lot more than I like them, just simply because I they might have been most like versions of myself. Do you know mm. what I mean? In 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 like in like previous minds. Do you know what I mean? In previous and previous time times in my timeline, a little bit more naive and a little bit less headstrong. Did you have a ton of girls throwing themselves at you in school? No, I didn't. But I I understand the pity that comes with feeling like the world is against you, and I also understand that there are people, in my experience, women who take to that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of yeah. wanting to fix you or wanting to help you out of that situation. That's and true. Finding finding themselves attracted to you because they've delved oh, so, so deep complicated. into you. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, you didn't expect that to be the case. In the same way, I guess maybe Ray didn't expect to, or doesn't even really fully understand her feelings for Shinji that mm. Asuka has kind of seen. Do you know what I mean? She's mm. kind of identified, you like Shinji, but that might be his sister though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or like robot it's, sister. It's, or, and she might not even be human. So it's like, and then there's also the fact that th there's a moment when Gendo and, and Ray, you probably remember, when Gendo yes. and Ray are sitting down dinner? and having dinner yeah. in that really weird, ambiguous office kind of space. And they're sitting on the opposite ends of the table on some Mr. and Mrs. Smith type stuff. <laughs> and, do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and, and she kind of tries to draw out of Gendo like, you, you like sitting down with people, right? Like you like, like that's pleasurable for you, right? Like actually just cooking and having moments with, you're, you're human, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. a very like, you're actually a human being though, right? You have feelings, right? You get me? That's that moment. Okay, so what, can we try and maybe like direct some of those feelings to, towards your son, maybe? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe? And you, she, wants, she wants to endeavor to create that situation. I think Asuka actually is deeply in love with Shinji more so than very in a much more clear way but she just doesn't process her emotions well the same there's way. is more the there's weirdly if you take out the highly sexualized context of everything which is very weird as a baseline yeah if we get rid of all of that that actually makes sense because in school it's harder to understand your feelings and this does happen in adulthood as well but when you you feel something about someone, but you don't understand it because it's like the first time you've started to realize mm. those things. And so you're like, well, this must be hate because mm. I don't know any. Like, like, I mean, they oh, do say there's a thin line between love and hate. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Exactly. Like, I've got a younger brother. We fight all the time. I like, well, not now because we're adults, but when we we're kids, we used to fight all the time. But also, if anyone ever tried to hurt him, I'd be on him. You of know, course, like, of course, of course. Cause, and I think that's you have that thing as soon as you start to like someone when you're in your teens or whatever and you're just like oh yeah i i like this person but i i don't know if it's a like so they really annoy me they really annoy me so and i i believe how she feels about him yeah i definitely believe it but what i don't i what i must 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 make a point an internal personal point of saying is you should never find yourself in a position to conflate positive and negative feelings you should always be direct with and honest with yourself about how you feel do you get me? Yeah. And if you can't be, take time out to actually figure it out. Because when you find yourselves in a position where you're being more like poisonous or toxic towards somebody who you actually have really overwhelmingly positive feelings for, it can cause 
hedgehog syndrome. Do you know what I mean? It can cause oh, a yes. lot. It can cause a lot more of that of that pain to be to be experienced on both sides. Well, the hedgehog problem came up in this, didn't this they? This is it. This is yeah, it. That analogy. It? That analogy is a big part of of Shinji's dilemma. relational. Yeah, exactly. Shinji's relational kind of navigation as a person, and also Asuka's, but then also Ray's in a certain capacity because it's not just the boisterous, like abrasive character that has the most emotional kind of disparity or issues when it comes to connecting with people. Because Shinji is equally as difficult when it comes to, finds it equally as difficult when it comes to expressing his words in the right context, in the right ways. You get me? And I think I think Shinji is actually almost right in between, is what we would call, for want of a better phrase, a happy medium between how quiet and timid and, and reserved Ray is and how boisterous and overly active and overzealous and dramatic Asuka is. Do you know what I mean? He's the center point for that because, and that's probably why they both, I believe maybe that's why they both, they both feel a certain way, to, such a, such a way towards him. You get yeah. me? Whether it be romantic or otherwise, we'll probably find out later, but. I think that was incredibly yeah. insightful. Shay. Thank you. That was nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. I might maybe you've helped some listeners who are in I hope difficult so. positions right now. Oh, and I nearly forgot Ryoji, mm-hmm. who's our who, who's our silver-haired fox man, <laughs> who's like incredibly charismatic. But I couldn't tell you anything he said because the entire time I was distracted by how heavily he was coming onto everyone. Facts, <laughs> including like what a fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah, is that this, how old uh, Shinji is? Charmingly romantic energy that is very off-putting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, especially when it's aimed at ch- children. Children, mm, <laughs> come on, brother. <laughs> there is something I do want to make a point of is this was this was a real full circle moment for me in terms of understanding nerves place beyond just being like a tool of the governments in a certain capacity. They have their own agenda. I discovered or realized what their agenda was via the conversation that um, Ikari Gendo has with one of his colleagues on a spaceship. They kind of discussed the two way, almost the two pretty finite ways it could go in terms of the fight against the angels. And this guy says, they, they're talking about the impacts that kind of, I guess, impacted the the world that they live in. And we and finally got an explanation about what an impact is. Yeah. Because they sort of mentioned it exactly. briefly in the first film. Exactly. So, and, and it elaborates on it much, much more in the second film. And again, gives a lot of context. So they're in space and Gendo's talking to this colleague and the colleague basically says to him, I would rather live in a world of chaos with man then have the world wiped out, which is essentially what the impacts are via the rebirth of an Ava into, or the, or the evolution of an Ava into a, into a god. And the god form, the, the condition for that god form is that the world is wiped out. Do you get me? Or existence is attacked and obliterated for that god to be born. That's, a, that's kind of the aftermath of it, almost a condition of it. And Ikari turns around and says, no, I, I feel the same, but I also feel differently in this kind of way that man is the reason that chaos exists as opposed to chaos just exists in the world and we're trying to, we're trying to stop chaos. It's, he, he, he believes that man is the reason, man's heart is the reason that chaos and confusion exists in the world. And his colleague questions him and saying, so you're saying man is the reason for chaos, man is the reason for destruction, man is yeah. the reason for pretty much everything negative in the world which i guess a lot of people reflect and feel the same way about in real life do you know mm. what i mean which is is a fantastically kind of interesting point and fascinating way to kind of illustrate that because then he kind of then he alludes to talking about nerves mission statement which is to induce 
and Avar into this god form. Yeah. Which would then wipe out everyone, including Nerv. So yeah. it, was, it was really interesting to hear him allude. He might not be saying that, but he alluded to that at that point. I just thought that was amazing. I, th- I think it's really interesting. And this is where I find that these films feel quite Shakespearean. Mm. Because I normally tend to watch animes with the subtitles because quite often you'll get a clearer idea of what they're trying to get across in the writing you know, closest you can get unless you can speak and understand actual Japanese. But I wanted to watch the dub versions because I knew that these were going to be really visually interesting and I wanted to be paying attention to that rather than my eyes scanning the bottom of the screen. Mm -hmm. But this was one of those lovely moments where they didn't need to do that. They were just having a really fascinating philosophical conversation. Mm. And Shakespeare is quite similar to that as well. I find, uh, I just, to be honest, it's one of the reasons that I find Shakespeare a bit, <laughs> but I can okay. also understand why it's so cult favourite because yeah, yeah. in Shakespeare they spend a lot of their time saying how they feel. Oh, I'm so sad. My lover's died. Da, 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 da. This happened, this happened. It's like, yeah, dude, we just saw it. It's a play. Have some faith in the director. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah I'm with you. No, I'm totally with you. I'm totally but then you. you're in Shakespeare, you'll also have these moments where these it'll cut to like two side characters having a conversation and they'll say something really poignant and incredible. And that I just felt was one of those moments. Definitely, definitely. That was, like I said earlier, it was, it was a very full circle moment for me that allowed me to understand a lot more than just the conversation they were having makes it so poignant do you know what i mean it was it was like okay i get what i get what you're doing i also it also alludes to why you've taken the stance you've taken with shinji as a kid and your relationship with him as his dad it also gives me nerves mission statement a little bit more so i understand mm-hmm. nerves place and i understand you're also going against a higher power when i thought you were kind of the ultimate power at that point because the military came to you do you know what i mean like I, it, it said so so much about the intentions of the individual and the environment that that individual could have potentially created for the what he believes to be the greater good. It was such a such a great moment for me, such an impactful moment for me, definitely. Mm. And in fact, saying that, there's, I, I want everyone to know that I came up with the I came to the Shakespearean conclusion myself. Mm. But after doing some research, found out that quite a few other people had as well, with deeper knowledges on Shakespeare. Yeah, and a lot of people had likened. Evangelion to Hamlet, mm. which if you're not familiar with the storyline of, basically Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone there. Yeah. Lovely. Because like, okay. Lion King is Hamlet, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, what, so you've got the son, the father dies though in, in Hamlet and then... Yeah, the father dies in Lion King. Yeah, no, oh, no, but, it but, but it's, he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah okay. yet um, maybe. Who knows? Gender. Oh, yeah, maybe. See, you know this is I mean? why I shouldn't this might do be research. Like a, this might be like a um, again, like I said, like I know I'm doing this for the greater good, and ultimately, he in his mission statement, as far as we know, it, he does plan to die. Do you know what I mean? Ikari does plan to die because he wants to maybe induce the the third impact mm. that would wipe out everybody, including him. Do you know what I'm saying? So. It might end up being that way, maybe you know, in some capacities, because obviously Shinji. Maybe Shinji has to run away and then come back as the king, and he needs to make friends with a little warthog and a, you know a meerkat. A... <laughs> <laughs> I've just had a thought. They've introduced the concept of space, and they talk about the rebirth of the world in a certain context of the of in, about the rebirth of the world in the context of the god being born from the Avon. But there's nothing to say they can't just move to another planet yeah, right that was another thing i was thinking i was like because I mean? they've technology. already introduced space like they've they've showed themselves in space already sometimes i'm I'm a bit confused about the the kind of power scaling 
this is something I want to talk about actually, just before we jump into that, is the power scaling in in this anime. I see so much destruction. Like I can't tell how big or small the area is because I've seen whole landscapes be obliterated by this point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and like if we're talking like maybe like the size of a continent, like Tokyo Free is Tokyo Free. But the 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 land that Tokyo the mass of land that Tokyo Free sits on and and how close it is to the water, I, I would assume that Tokyo Free and beyond is a massive continent level space. But, well, we know we're there in Japan. Yeah, and I, but we see so much of the landscape destroyed. Do you know what I mean? Like, so much of it destroyed. And so much of Tokyo Free destroyed as well, constantly. Do you know what I mean? Without any kind of reference of time. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you'll see one angel, and then they'll fight to the brink of potential destruction. Then three minutes later, with without a concept of time, like no six-month skip or nothing like that. Do you know what I mean? We don't know how frequent the siege of angels is 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 this stuff happening in within a matter of hours do you get me or are we cut into a scene where it's also daytime and it's months later do yeah you get, do you get what i mean one thing i did like about mari is that she sings when she's piloting her ava yeah i think that's sick i think i, I would like, you sing i might recite some lyrics before i get in it but again i, I might not pilot an ava because i'm i'm scared of heights i'm very deathly scared of heights <laughs> i probably would um find a way to get over my fear if I was facing uh, destruction from some, like, I know, biblical monster. I feel like it'd be really good inspiration for you to write lyrics to. Yeah, I think it would as well. I think the experience, I, I think the first song I would write would probably be the experience of immersing myself in the fluid oh, yeah. of, of the Ava yeah, yeah. and connecting with it. I think that would be the first song I write. About, I like that. And that's probably the one I would sing every time I get inside the Ava. Yeah, that, yeah, do you know yeah. What I mean? If you were going to listen to something, what would you listen to? I would either listen to something super immersive that probably doesn't even have lyrics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or I, like something that I would consider probably like a theme tune to just getting into the Ava. Oh, nice. Or I would listen to something completely like Would completely you listen to different. the song that I that I write for you to listen to when you're piling? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. would listen to me going, I'm in a big robot suit, gonna yeah, get done. my big old gun. Yep. Shoot him down, shoot him down. Get the angels in the face, get them in the face. Put some guitars under that, some... But your voice... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't want that? Talking about... That's that's the battle scene music. That's actually the battle... That <laughs> it wasn't be... even the right instructions because you should shoot them in the little red ball. Words. You shouldn't you shoot need to shoot, them shoot their face. core. Like, but still, you... I mean... Get them angels in the balls. Get them in the balls. <laughs> that's what I would sing. Oh! <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm in a big robot Gotta get my big old gun. Shoot them down, shoot them down. Get the angels. Get them in the face. Get them angels in the balls. Get them in the balls. All right, so let's get into some quick fire questions. Right. Favorite character? Okay, it's still Pen Pen, and I'll tell you for why. Okay. Because of that scene at the aquarium where Pen Pen's like telling all the other penguins a story, and they're all really <laughs> impressed. Yeah, that was a moment for me still. It's like, I'm actually a G in this. Like, I actually know what I'm on. Like, I'm actually the King Penguin. Like, yeah, I want to see that spin off series. I oh, want, yeah. that would be dope. I want to know what that story was. They were so oh. entertained. What was your favorite character? I think Asuka yeah. was my favorite character at that point because she just wasn't having it from the guy who used to bully Shinji in the aquarium. Yes. She was just like, oh, you're just a caveman, bro. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was very opinionated, very open, very honest. You get yeah. me? About about what you're not into. And I just appreciate that about a person. Say what you feel. Yeah, you it's you as should, it is. You know what I'm saying? Just mm -hmm. say it as it is. And I think there's a there's 
Shinji lacks a lot of that. Mm. You get me? In the right in the right way. So I I loved seeing that in Asuka. So if you were Shinji, would you choose Asuka or Rei? Asuka. Yeah. I feel like she'd tell me to... Rei would... Rei might enable me a little bit. Oh, yeah. Good point. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas Asuka would tell me, nah, nah, this is what you need. Yeah. She might yeah. not... It might be a bit insensitive, but she would tell me the truth. I'd rather have an insensitive truth than, than an enable. Yeah. Well, they always say anger is the most loyal friend you'll ever have. Anger Mate. tells you exactly how you feel. It's very loyal. <laughs> Facts. Okay. Favorite costume? Do you know what? I really enjoyed the design of Angel 10, if you can call that a costume. Can we legitimize which was, that? Which one was Angel 10? Angel 10 is the one that Ray got pulled inside of. The one that ate, oh, yeah, the one yeah, that yeah, ate yeah, 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 um, yeah. Ava Zero. Yeah. You get well, the unit zero. I think if I get Ava in the first episode that we did of this yeah. as favourite costume, then you get Angel 10. Angel 10. Cool. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Sick. All right, cool. Uh, what was your favourite costume? I'm not a huge fan of the tight fitting stuff, yep. but what I do love is how they get to put it on loose and then it it's like the for Back to the Future 2 yeah, kind of with the, jacket. You just press the little thing and then it just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that's super dope. Because then you I, could I just hang that. around in like tracky bottoms and stuff at home watching TV. When you got to go out, just press a button, jeans. So, so you're enjoying the convenience of that, of oh, that technology. I love, it. love it. Cool. What was your favourite scene? Favourite scene, I definitely think is when... It's a disturbing scene, actually. I think my favourite scene is when the dummy um, takes yes. over... Yes! Uh, and it goes really animalistic. One. Yeah, and it goes super animalistic. So she, she steals Ava 2... And then she she can't beat the angel because mm. the Ava isn't strong enough and she's not she's not strong enough at that point. And she realizes that super early, but still manages to keep her composure and then unlocks uh, override system uh, 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 and just unlocks a whole nother side of the Ava that is a lot more biological. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? And yeah. I was just like, oh yes, an awakening, like a, a power up moment. And I'm I'm a super I'm a super fan for like a shonen moment. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Where it's like Goku Super Saiyan stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm such a sucker for that. So that was a beautiful moment for me. I love a competent character, especially when they're competent with weapons. Like, but I, I really enjoyed I, that. I wouldn't say that she was competent, though, because she probably got taken over by it. That was a bit uh, Gollum-esque, I thought. That a little of... bit, but the, the, I think because she she knew, do you know what I'm saying? She kind of said, this might be a bit too much, but I'm on it. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm still on it. I'm, I still want to do that. So yeah, that was my favourite scene when she, I think when she did that. Oh, see, my favourite scene was the dummy um, when the dummy oh, took over with when he's trying to save uh, Asuka because it wasn't my favourite, like as in I, I didn't take pleasure, but I just thought it was such a powerful, powerful moment. Definitely. Most WTF moment. I, I just put the ending scene the with ending the music. Scene. Yeah, to, that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, what? <laughs> I, think, I think my moment was the moment when we realised that Unit three was becoming an angel, and Askar was still inside. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then you don't see her again after that point. No. But prior to that, I think there was a signal there. Sorry to just digress a second. There was definitely, to me, I know this is meant to be quick fire, but I need to say this. Askar has been so kind of rigid and strict about how she wants to be seen and represented and treated as as this kind of super boisterous, fiery, like it's my way or the highway character, then she has this really kind of introspective moment that we don't see, we've never seen her have before with somebody she wasn't really connecting with, but also shares a similar level of authority as her in a different way. And then and then she kind of has that moment of like almost maturity. Yeah. And then we don't see her. That to me that's... was a signal that she might die. That oh, was, as soon as she got a backstory, I, mean? I was like, well, she's dead. She's going to die. <laughs> you know what I'm dead. saying? So yeah, I think, I think that was my WTF moment. I was like, oh my God, what? That's how you're killing her. Yeah. That's how you're going to kill her. With an, make her an angel. That's crazy. So yeah, that's that was my moment. Okay, so most powerful Ava. Well, number one. Cool. I think, I think for me, it's between number one and number two because I feel like the pilot plays a big part. 
I feel like if Mari was in number one, I know Shinji's the key to number one, you know what I mean? But if Mari was in, if Shinji had Mari's prowess, I think, I think there was, there's a lot we wouldn't see. I think there was a lot, we would have got to God level much quicker. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not to say that that would have necessarily been a good thing, but yeah. for the storyline, you get me, and for and for how deep Anno's gone, but we would have got there a lot quicker. Oh well, finally, given all that we've seen and been through, uh, have you changed your mind about whether you would pilot Nova? Well, I'm still afraid of heights at this precise moment in time. We're so, gonna have to overcome your fear. Yeah, we're gonna have to do weeks. like a like I'm I'm definitely scared of like roller coasters and anything that moves quickly at a height. Oh. So I can I can be on a plane. I can be on a plane, no problem. Opposite, I can go really? on a roller coaster. No, it used to be fine on planes. But I need, this is I need stability, of, though. This is the sort of stuff that our listeners have come for, isn't it? <laughs> come for the anime, stay for us generally chatting about fear of heights. Come on. <laughs> and I think that's a wrap. Yeah. How are you feeling? I, I'm nervous about the next one. I don't, like I, I yeah, I feel, I'm now starting to be like, what have I got myself into? But I, I can't wait to see if, I, first of all, I've got to answer that question of why is the penguin there? I hope that Pen Pen is the key. Uh, I want Pen Pen to be the key. I think he'll sacrifice himself at some point or something. Oh, I'd love hey, we'll go Pen Pen. Ah, and then somebody will power up again. Or he'll <laughs> be one of the components to that. Next week, we're advancing to Evangelion 3.33. You cannot redo. Joining us in the studio next week will be actress, author, podcaster and illustrator Jessie Cave. Thanks for listening to the second episode of Anime to Z. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and pop us a message on social media. I'm at Beckhill Comedian on pretty much everything. And I am at C-H-E underscore L-I-N-G-O at Shea underscore Lingo on pretty much all social media. And remember, all four films in the rebuild of Evangelion franchise are available to watch now on Prime Video. Yeah. Go and watch him and then come and listen next week. Animator Z is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video UK. The show is hosted by Shaylingo and Beckhill. It's produced by Nicole Davis, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShill. With production coordination from Ellie Aitken and editing by James Payne. With additional research by Ren Skateni. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts. <laughs>